0: This is Fight Disciples. Welcome to podcast episode number 829. We are the Fight Disciples. This is your boxing preview for the weekend coming up. We'll also throw in a little bit of boxing news as well, because there's a lot been going on uh, throughout the course of the week. Before we get there, though, please subscribe to us. Fightdisciples.com is our website. All the audio feeds under the sun are there, and we're also on YouTube fight disciples. Before we start today's show, is that on? Is that on sound man? Is that working?
1: Don't, I can hear you now. Don't try and push this over to me because you messed up on Monday. It's called a I'm, microphone. Plug it in.
0: Yes. Right. And when I speak into it, I can't hear it. I'm relying on my partner in crime in order to you. say to me, Adam, you're coming out your headphones. You're not coming out of your microphone. Anyway. There you go. Apologies for uh, the sound quality of uh, Monday's program. I sound just good. You just seen me do the mic out. test there. It's working, yeah. is it? It's coming through your head for, It's all working. Go on, do yours. All do yours. Do it properly. <laughs> there you go. There you go. For <laughs> people that are not actually watching what we're up to, just doing our little mic checks whilst we're on the radio. There mic you go. Mic check. Mic check. Mic check. M- mic check indeed, mate. Uh, how's Tricks. Good week. Yeah, good week, yeah, good week. I've been
1: up the wall. Uh, I was trying to get this new show idea off the ground. It's taken me a lot longer because my editing skills aren't up to that of young Norman. So hopefully we'll have something to talk about later today. So I've been oh, Nick's
0: got a big idea. He's got a yeah. big... It's actually a really good idea. It's just that... The execution the, um, of it. <laughs> it's very difficult. Yeah, the exit. Yeah. The execution of the idea is, is difficult and time-consuming. When he, when he was pitching this idea and telling me all about it, I went, yeah, it's brilliant, mate. And then in my head, I'm thinking, there's no way you're doing that in a week. <laughs> but yeah. if you could pull it off, you've got yeah. a little uh, gem on your hands there, pal. Anyway, I'm cracking that, on. Coming to the Fight Disciples uh, YouTube channel very, very soon, eh? Yes, absolutely. But other than that, no,
1: just, uh, well... Kids were sick Tuesday. Wink, wink. What's that mean? I don't know what the weather was like, sorry, in Manchester on Tuesday. But in Liverpool, it was like a foot and a half deep of white, fluffy snow. Absolutely incredible. Like, I haven't seen snow like that in Liverpool since since I was a kid. Like, real deep, thick, amazing, untouched, super fluffy snow. We woke up to it Tuesday morning. Absolutely immense. And I was just like, nah, man. Not today, kids. Put them uniforms down. Let's go to the park. We spent four hours in the park building snowmen. It
0: was mega. <laughs> 2024 parenting, ladies and gentlemen, Nick Pete style. Yeah. The kids aren't even requesting a day off. He gives it them anyway. <laughs> Snow Meanwhile, day. over in Manchester, I just went, get to fucking school. <laughs> Out the door. I don't care if my car can't get off the drive. We're moving. Let's go. <laughs> I've got shit to do. <laughs> uh, Snow mega.
1: day, kid. Mega. Good yeah. fun. Yeah. So yeah, Listen, but, but but now it's at the crappy stage where it's just like precarious ice everywhere. Oh, poor chickens, man. Thought they were going to be stuck to the coop this morning. Minus four it was last night, so I kind of went down there this morning with a bit of trepidation. I had a jug of hot water to defrost hot. the uh, the water feeder. The chicken! To pour on the chicken to defrost <laughs> the chicken. Give them a hot shower in the morning. <laughs> that would probably be the worst thing you could do. But, yeah, yeah, went down, kept my fingers crossed, all four alive and kicking. So, you know, the chickens, they obviously they keep themselves warm, they're covered in feathers, but when it gets to, like, minus four – you know, I had to. I've covered the coop with like a big tarp and some padding and stuff like that to kind of insulate a little bit. You'd be, you'd be, cons- you'd got to be concerned about your old chickens this time of year. All
0: right, okay. Uh, we're going to check advice some, there. there. Thanks, mate. Uh, we're going to tackle some boxing news a little bit later on in the show, but right now let's preview what's coming up this weekend because Liverpool is city is the destination for Natasha Jonas versus Michaela Meyer, IBF welterweight championship are on the line and Natasha defending in her home city. I don't think she's been back to Liverpool for a bit, has she? When was the last time she was in Liverpool? She's been doing Manchester and various other bits and bats, hasn't she? Was um, it before that garden? Was it before Eddie's garden? Was it? it? Might have been. Because she's been that long long yeah. in Manchester. Yeah. So she's getting the opportunity to obviously defend her crown. Uh, in Liverpool against a, a former champion at 130 pound in Michaela Meyer. This is obviously up at 100, uh, 147.
1: Yeah. Oh, Bergolt. Sorry, she she defended against Patricia Bergolt in 2022, right in the middle there. So she has had a return to Liverpool. But you're right. This is a this is a big one because she's quite clearly the main event. It is Tasha, kind of the two weight world champion. You know, first time that's been done by any scouser coming home to defend that second weight world title. I don't know whether you've seen the social media this week, it's been all over Sky Sports, but uh, the the big trend in Liverpool at the moment is painting murals of sports heroes. You know, It started with Liverpool, Everton started getting on the back end of it. Recently, we've seen Paddy the Baddy and Molly McCann, they've had murals done. And uh, earlier this week, they unveiled a big mural on the side of a house of, uh, of, of Tash as well. So, so, yeah, it's a big, it's a big deal for Tash, especially at this age of her career. You know, she can't afford to lose now. The momentum's behind her, the city's behind her. So it's going to be an interesting show this weekend because this is a proper fight. With all due respect to Candy Wyatt, I expected Tash to come through and become a two-way champ against Candy Wyatt. But Michaela Miles, a proper fighter, man. She's got a lot of experience, amateur and pro. You could argue she should still be undefeated. Um yeah, man. And she's saying all the right things. She's come to Liverpool to win.
0: I think it's massive for both of these two, you know. Like, and I don't mean this as any disrespect to either of them. You look at Natasha, um, and she's been in big fights. She's obviously been in with Katie Taylor in the past. You could class Terry Harper, that fight, as a a big fight as well, with Terry Harper being a world champion at the time. And even though I think that she beat Terry Harper, and she got a bit of a bad one on the cards, obviously she came short against uh, Katie Taylor. And you look down the resume... And, yes, yeah, she's a two-weight world champion, unified up at 154, obviously down now at 147, and she's probably looking to do the same thing again with someone like a Jessica McCaskill. Yeah. But you look on the resume and you look at the big fights, the big-named fights, and Natasha's come out on the wrong side of them. She hasn't got one over the line. She hasn't got a big one over the line. And the same thing can be said for Michaela Meyer because you look at Michaela's uh, resume at 130, and she became champion she unified the division and then she went into the undisputed fight and the only big name you would say on that resume is Alicia bumgardner if you can class Alicia bumgardner as a big big name I think most people would uh and she lost the fight on the, you know she she came up on the wrong side of it so I think this is massive for both girls I really do this is this is I think it's a big I think it's actually a big step up for both of them going into this uh the fight at the weekend especially with michaela coming up in weight to fight for the first time at welter
1: yeah, but don't forget these. Are, you're talking about two girls who've got a wealth of amateur experience, though, as well. You know, they've seen a lot. Yeah, I'm only referring to
0: professional. But there's nothing like yeah. I said, on the professional resumes, there's nothing there really, is there? Let's be dead honest about it. I know, but the the who who could they have fought? That that's the
1: million dollar question. These no, these what weight I'm classes, say, no, it's yeah, not like what the men's weight is... classes where there's dozens of names in every weight division. They are the names in their respective weight divisions. You could argue. Yeah.
0: So. There and them. Those... that's the point. I'm not saying that they haven't fought them. They have fought them. I'm saying that they've fought them and lost against them. This is big for both of them this weekend. Yeah, listen,
1: I completely agree it's big. I don't know whether it's as big for Michaela as it is for Tash, being, you know, Tash is 39 now. So she really is having an Indian summer. This is the twilight of her career. She's got loads going on outside of boxing, especially, you know, a commentary gig with Sky, which I think she's incredibly good at. She's a really good pundit. So... Mm-hmm. I think for Tash to lose at this stage of a career, especially back home, it could be a kind of fitting way to go, okay, you know what? I give it my best shot, and that's me, a two-weight world champion. Woo! Legacy assured. Uh, Come on, the next generation. For Michaela, you know, there's always a conversation to come out of it. She could go back to the US. She could reinvent herself over there. Let's be honest, women's boxing is booming in Britain right now, which is why Michaela's here, which is why Clarissa came over and fought over here. This is where women's fighters... Women professional fighters, certainly the the championship level, are getting the most respect in the world, as here in the UK, because we're slotting them on TV cards in main events in headliners. Okay, there's a conversation about, yeah, that's because they're cheap, because it's 10 twos rather than 12 threes. But regardless, no one's giving them airtime in the US to do these main events live on on TV in the US. So they're cashing in right now. That's why Michaela's here. That's why she's over here taking on Natasha Jonas. But I, I do think. it would be easier for her to bounce back from a loss against Tash. Certainly coming up weight divisions for the first time than it would be for Tash at this stage in her career. But I think in terms of experience, yes, they've had a couple of big fights and yes, they've come out on the wrong end. I think, you know, Tash had real hard luck against Katie Taylor. She probably should have won, had her arm raised against uh, Terry Harper when I think, you know, on the scorecard, she probably won it by a couple of rounds. That was a bad decision. and it, and regard and also you know you're looking at Michaela and again that that fight against Baumgartner was was incredibly close. I think I haven't rewatched it. Um, I think at the time I thought Michaela had done enough. I think a draw in in hindsight. I watched the highlights again. You know, the the a draw was probably a fair assessment, five apiece. So listen, Michaela's been in Liverpool for a couple of for at least a week or two. Um, she's been training at no limits. She's been. You know, she's listen, she's here to cause an upset. She's here Uh to basically torpedo Tasha into retirement. And that's a good thing because I think in the women's boxing, there's been a lot of – we've seen a lot of title fights here over the last two or three years, and not many of them – count on one hand how many of them have been actual 50-50s. This is a 50-50 for me.
0: Yeah, I think the power's with Natasha. um... Obviously, yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how Michaela approaches the fight because she can box in multiple ways, but sometimes she does revert to type a little bit. She likes to have a fight. She likes to dig her toes in and she likes to trade. And I think if she trades with Natasha Jonas, she could end up getting herself in trouble because the power, I think, out of the two girls is with Natasha Jonas. And and Natasha has proven that she can carry that uh, power up. She'll carry it up to 154. I'm sure it's going to be there at 147. So it'll be interesting to see how uh, Michaela Meyer approaches it. Um, if I were her, I'd use her size. I'd use her length. That's what I would. That's what I would be doing. But I'm not her getting in the ring. It's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be an intriguing fight. One thing that did uh, interest me: I spoke to Michaela on the on the radio about two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and you just brought up ten twos there, right? She brought up in the press conference originally that she wanted a three minute round for this particular fight, uh, and it kind of fell a little bit on deaf ears. And up yeah. until two weeks ago, when I was speaking to her, she had no idea. What length of time the rounds were gonna be.
1: Wow, that's insane. Isn't it absolutely insane? Listen, I think, but like like Michaela, I think Tasha's spoken out and said, Listen, I train three-minute rounds anyway, I do three minute rounds. But then when you hear what Joe Gallagher's saying, who's a trainer and their manager, and Joe's like, Hey, we'll do threes, but you've got to pay for threes. No one's willing to pay. Oh, right, you want to do 12 threes, girls? Right, okay, then well, that's basically double the amount of ring time, so it's double the amount of wages. And Joe's got a point as well. I'd say it comes back to what I said earlier in terms of women's fights are attractive because you get a main event, that costs you a lot less than a men's main event, and that's purely down to duration. I think it's a generational thing. I think, unfortunately, for Tash and Katie Taylor and one or two others, by the time they retire, which isn't too far away, and the sport does move on, eventually women will be doing three-minute rounds. They will be doing 12 threes, Absolutely. And the only bad thing is we will then look at the champions then and look back at the KT's and Natasha's and maybe even the Clarissa's and go, yeah, they were great of their era, but could they have done it over 12 threes like this era does? I don't know because they're X, Y, and Z. And it's a shame that their reputations and legacies will in some way, I wouldn't say be tarnished because this is just the way the sport is right now, but in the future, they're like, well, you know, they were good sprinters, but could they have done the marathon distance? I don't know, which is why, obviously, Thanks to Jake Paul putting his hand in his pockets, which is why Serrano is changing the game now and, and doing those 12 threes. So I think Michaela being is young enough that she will eventually do 12 threes. Mm. But I, listen, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of I'm straddling both sides because I want the women to do three minute rounds. It will be more exciting. We will get more finishes, it will go viral, it will bring them on parity with men finally. But then I'm also in the camp of I understand where Joe's coming from. Why do more? For the same money, you've got to put your hand in your pocket. It's twice mm. the work. So it's a weird one. Listen, it will sort itself out. It ain't going to sort itself out this weekend. But that's not the first thing Michaela's brought up either. Did she talk to you about this? Because she's she's been very <clears throat> outspoken yesterday about Tasha's groin guard. Did she mention that to you? Did that, did that? No, we didn't back? speak
0: about that. I've seen I've seen Tasha bring it up. It is a big one that she uses, isn't it? But well, it's a
1: big and yet, and listen, what Michaela's saying is why is Natasha Jonas using a men's growing guard? There's a women's growing guard that we use, that you can use. She chooses to use a men's growing guard. And what Michaela's saying is it's massive, covers half of the belly, comes right up a chest, covers a body, gives an extra protection, blah blah blah. Now, of course, there's two ways. Look, that's down to the officials, the referee to go, whoa. That's too high. Should stop at your belly button or in the fight go. Anything above the belly button is legal, anything below it is illegal. Think Dubois, who sick, that was an illegal shot. Regardless of where it is. But her argument is, well, that's covering it's giving it extra protection. Now, again, this brings us back to the age-old question of men's and women's boxing. Women are picking up some bits of the men's side, but not everything. So that's just saying, Well, boxing shorts are made. For men, they're made for the men's. The waistbands are big, everything else. And when I used to wear the women's groin guard, the shorts would slide above it, and it would become uncomfortable, and the groin guard would get pushed down. So when I changed to a man's one, my shorts fit me perfectly now. So she says it's a, a, a apparel thing. Uh, Michaela Meyer's saying, nah, man, we know what you're doing. You're giving yourself extra protection about around the middle. (laughs) But Natasha's not breaking the rules. There's no rule that says women have to use women guards. Men use men guards. You can use any guard you want to use. And that's, again, there's there's potentially a loophole in the sport. (laughs) Again, it's like, this is old men running boxing who haven't sat down and gone, wait a minute. Do women need to have a specific use that growing guard. What would be the advantages? Yes, is the answer. Yes, is the answer. Okay, let's enforce it then. Everyone uses them growing guard. That's what they should do. It should be universal. There shouldn't be a choice to go, I'll I'll wear them because I like the way it feels. It's more comfortable. I agree with Michaela Meyer. Everyone should be in the same, should use the same style of apparel. But then Natasha could argue, well, why isn't she using the men's growing guard? I am. She can use one. It's within the rules right now. We're a bigger growing guard like me then. But again, this is the sport of boxing and the people at the very top of boxing, i.e. ABC, I. Mm. i.e., I hate to say it, the governing bodies. It's them not taking responsibility for women's boxing because they all, all these old middle-aged men in blazers, they all still see it as a sideshow. They don't treat it with the respect it deserves, regardless of what they may say publicly. They need to sit down and go, right, you can't wear that. You don't need to wear that. This has been designed scientifically to give you the all the protection you need. This is all you need. This, the chest plate, whatever it may be, that's all you need to wear. That now that is the rule. You have to wear them. It's been a, you can't wear them. They're not for you. They're not designed to protect you. But while there's loopholes, while there's holes in it, people are gonna do what feels comfortable and do what they want.
0: Does the winner it's of this a get
1: legalised? It's added a bit of needle, hasn't
0: it? Yeah. Does the winner of this get Lauren Price? Do you think, uh,
1: or, do, or should I say,
0: or should I say that's the wrong way of phrasing that? It's Price. Of it. Does yeah, Lauren Price yeah. get the winner of this?
1: I think Lauren Price obviously will be sitting, will be sitting ringside with her, with her partner. She's working with me, she's working with me. Oh, weekend, she, yeah.
0: I'll be stirring the pot. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, you're right to structure it the other way though. You know, Lauren Price is aspiring yeah, she wants, to this level, she wants the title shot. Yeah, none none of these girls are going into this fight saying, "Oh, I'll win this, I defend me world title, I win this world title, I get Lauren Price." Obviously not. Um, domestically, I get it. it. It's a it's a great fight. I think Tasha versus Lauren Price. It's got interest. It's a generational thing. The Olympian versus the Olympian from two generations. It's a crossover. If I was Tasha, I'd be like, "What does Lauren Price do for my resume?" Good point. Okay, we'll pay you a the fortune then. Um, I'll be honest, and we spoke about Lauren Price previously on this show, and I was totally
0: honest, I think she's quite boring to watch. Yeah, listen, I said this, she was on the radio with me last week, and obviously she's going to be on the radio with me this week. Uh, And I brought this up with her, I had this conversation, I said, listen, Lauren, and my take on it was to her, and you've had this take uh, in the past as well, she's technically brilliant, very, very good. And when yeah. people get in the ring with her, it's quite evident to me that after four minutes, two rounds, they look at it yeah. and they go, I ain't got a fucking in hell's chance here. So I'm going to navigate yeah. this fight. And they shell up and they go on the back foot. And therefore, the gaps therefore then her yeah. to be able to deliver something special aren't necessarily there. Now, of course, the onus is on her to be able to open that person up and... And bring them onto it, her and then be able to deliver the moment. But she made a point, she's saying, listen, I'm used to people coming at me. So I'm still learning that aspect of the game. I'm used to people coming at me. I'm used to gaps being there. And then I'm used to delivering in those gaps. I'm working in the gym in order to try and create those gaps for myself against these lesser opponents that are not up to my standard. But And then my point back to her was, well, when you do fight somebody of your standard, when you do fight world elite people who are coming to try and win and coming to try and knock you out and stop you, the gaps are going to be there. You should go, well, that's what I'm used to. So I'm 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 excited at the prospect of getting the opportunity to fight a Natasha Jonas or a Michaela Meyer or a Jessica McCaskill or all these cats because I know the gaps will be there and I know that I'm better than them. So you're right in what you're saying, and I brought it up with you, and she's kind of in agreement that it is a a, a struggle at the moment regarding the entertainment factor, but as we've seen on countless occasions, when people do step up in class, that's when you see how good they really are because the opportunities present themselves to them, and I think that that will be the case with Lauren Price. It's going to be interesting because Natasha's 39, she's at a certain stage I've already heard Joe, for example, speaking about unifications and trying to unify the division again. She's done it at 154. She's probably going to go after McCaskill. Let's be honest. That's what she's probably going to be chasing at this stage of her career. Michaela May is an interesting one. She's probably going to do the same thing because you'll get an All-American unification if she comes through. But Lauren Price, um, given given the pedigree that she's got and Boxer are right behind her. So they'll probably pay the recipient of this weekend's championship fight, I think they'll pay that person quite handsomely in order to get in the ring with Lauren Price, which I think they will have to do. But I'm looking forward to Lauren Price getting to that level because then we'll find yeah. out whether it's legit or not.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, again, I think it's, for me personally, I think it's a little bit too soon to torpedo Lauren Price into that conversation, especially domestically, at least you've got Sandy Ryan, who's already above Lauren Price. Who not Sandy Ryan still world champion? I know she yeah. got a lot, she got absolutely robbed in the unification, yeah. but she went into that fight with a world title belt. Yeah. So Sandy Ryan, as far well as I know, has still got the WBO yeah, belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. McCaskill that's didn't it. take that because it was a nope. draw. So McCaskill's got. She must have
0: two of the belts then. Three yeah, of the belts. it was a uni- it was a unification. So the only one that's missing out of that was the IBF, which is in the in the in this championship here. Which went
1: to which Tash won in a vacance.
0: I think, um, not, uh, not off the, the top aftermath. of my head, I think Sandy Ryan's WBO, I think. Okay.
1: So there, there's the domestically, you know, if if and I, I get where, where Joe's coming from and I get where Tasha's coming from. To unify again in a second weight class would be incredible. That's the fight then, isn't it? Sandy Ryan is the fight. To so have the IBF and the WBO belts on the line at the same time here in the UK, I think would be a massive thing. Again, I... It's nice to hear that you brought that up with Lauren. It's nice to hear your answer because it, it it makes perfect sense. You know? Yeah. Shit, I get it now. You've been at the elite level of women's amateur boxing. You've been going into fights in tournaments, in Olympic cycles and everything else, where that girl is as dedicated and committed and ready as you are. And you're, and you're used to fucking navigating those fights and defending an offense and everything else. And suddenly you come into a pro ring and it's the opposite way around. Now, What we find in men's divisions, even with Olympians generally, is you'll get 10 goes to figure that out. You'll get 10 Serbian bin men to go, oh, right, okay, shit. He's not trying to land anything on me. He's just trying to make sure I don't knock him out. Okay, right. And they get an extra minute in every round. So might only do a six-rounder, but six threes compared to six twos is enormous. So the men are getting way more actual fight time to go, right, Offense, right, that's what I need to do. It's not about what's coming back and looking for gaps. It's about opening him up, fainting, landing, drilling, bang, right. Whereas Lauren, and again, maybe I have been overcritical of her, she goes into fights and there's nothing coming back and it, she isn't going through the gears because there's no one to go, there's nothing to go through the gears against. Interesting, really interesting point. Well, th- that's just down to activity, isn't it? Down to activity. Mm. And obviously, that suggests Match why making. she's
0: going. Ma- yeah, matchmaking is really important for uh, Give me a world
1: champion. title fight. Give, yeah, yeah. That's why she's like, Give me a world title fight and watch what I can really do. Give me, because it's not until I get to that level because the women's weight divisions are so you know, lack depth in, in such a big way. It's not until she gets into a title fight, maybe where she's thinking, I ain't getting nothing until I get there. So, just get me there. Get me in mm. that position. Yeah. Could be an interesting little weight class, though, in 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if, if Tash comes through, you've got Sandy Ryan unification. You've hopefully got Lauren knocking on the door. It's a good little round robin. There's money to be made there. Then, Yeah, man. I like it. Mm.
0: Mm. But first, uh, Tash we've got to come
1: through this weekend.
0: Yeah, and I Mikaela's think it's amazing. tough, mate. I'm not going to mess about. I think it's tough. I think I think we'll get a good fight. I do. I think that main event is it, a good hard. fight. It's hard to call because Tasha's a really strong
1: southpaw uh, with a lot of power and I think Michaela at this point may not have fought anybody with that kind of power, certainly up at this weight class which is not a natural weight class of course mm. whereas Tasha's had a couple of years now to grow into this you know 10 and a half stone kind of weight division you'll find that she look even stronger in this fight than she did at the weight class above at super welterweight and it's how, how she negates that southpaw just having a quick look at Michaela's 20 pro fights there certainly in the last few she hasn't fought a southpaw in a long time from what I can see there's not a lot a Southport experience again. She's Michaela Meyer. She's been doing this a long time. She might be fucking ace against Southpaws. She just hasn't faced one recently that's all. So that that could be interesting. That might throw Michaela off for the first few rounds if he hasn't had the quality Southport sporting.
0: You you, are you talking to Siri there? What's going on?
1: Siri just giving me a take
0: saying shut the fuck up. You haven't got a clue. <laughs> Um, We've got a rematch between Jack Cullen and uh, Zach Shelley. Do you remember when uh, these lads had a little bit of a go in Matchroom Square Garden? uh, At at his garden, yeah. That's when they had a little bit of a go and we got a draw that night, didn't we? Uh, Well, they're going at it again. Uh, Cullen's been in with some good lads. He's been in with Cash. He's been in with Pacheco. Uh, He got a win against Heffron, which is a great win uh, for Jack Cullen. I thought that was a good win for him. Uh, and Zach Chelley got himself a good... It's weird, this, because he got a really good win against uh, Sims Junior when Sims yep. Junior was well was, off it. was I something was there that night. Yeah, it was uh, it was mad. Uh, but then lost last time out to Jeffers. Jeffers is actually on this card as well against Jermaine uh, Brown in the uh, English super middleweight title. So it's going to be interesting to see what version of Zach Chelley that we get at the weekend. Jack Cullen is consistent. Listen. He steps up, he has a go against top operators, the pe- people like I've just mentioned there, Felix Cash, I think, and Diego Pacheco, as we all know, he's going to go on to world honours at some point in, in, in his career. Um, but every now and again, he, he produces a performance on a British standard that you go, yeah, all right, fair play, pal, i.e. Mark Efren. So I think it's quite a competitive fight. I thought first time around, it was, a, it was a good piece of matchmaking. They both had a bit of a go at each other. Mm. So it's going to be interesting to see how maybe two, three years on, both of these fellas mm. have developed. I think, if I'm dead honest, I think Cullen's come on more than Chelly in that three-year period. So it's going to be interesting to see if Chelly's uh, up to standard at the weekend.
1: Yeah. the um, It's surprising when you look back how many draws we had in that garden. You know? Very interesting. Um, <clears throat> I, d- I remember at the time thinking a draw was a fair result Chelly come on strong, I thought, down a stretch. Certainly won the last round out in the garden. So, you know, I can see why he was aggrieved. He started with his tail up, but it was a a pretty close fight. I'm guessing, and again, I should probably know this, Jeffers and Cullen must be in the same gym. Otherwise, Jeffers would be fighting Cullen. The English champ would be fighting for the British title. I'm guessing that's the case. Um, But rematches are always good because there's always a bit of needle. There's always a little bit of, you know, what have you done in the... I think it's almost four years now, date-wise four years, three and a half years since they fought oh. uh, the first time. So there's always a little bit of a uh, a timeline of who's improved most and who's come forward. Now, in that time, of course, Jack Cullen has suffered a couple of defeats. Chelly's lost once to Jeffers, um, but it's the quality of the opponents, you're right, to Jack Cullen is losing against. You know, Pacheco is magic and... That was healing in Liverpool as well, wasn't it? I think it, mm. it was the same arena, Echo Arena, where Jack Cullen lost that night and, and lost in style. Now, of course, with all respect to Jack Shelley, he's not on the same trajectory as Diego Pacheco. Um, but the fact that it's in Liverpool may bring back a, a few unwanted memories for Jack Cullen, certainly if he gets caught uh, inside the ring. But I just think... You know, you often find that fighters like Cullen who step up and take on a Pacheco, and you say, "Oh shit, that's the guy. That guy is a future super middleweight world champion." You put you put your last penny on it. You go, when You and once you lick your wounds, you look at yourself in the mirror. You're like, well, that's the best I'm going to face. That guy's the best in the prospect in the division. I've been there now. I've seen what the best looks like. I'm going to aspire towards that level. You know, he's had a good win since, and I think. I think you're right I think the bookie's favorite's going to be Cullen. He has got that big long size on him as well, the reach on him, he's got a lot of power on him. Don't get me wrong, I think Chelly, what I've heard is Chelly's been at Joe Gallant. Chelly was in Liverpool sparring with uh, with Callum Smith, done quite a few rounds with Callum before he he was with Buddy McGee. So Chelly's had, you know, high level sparring, sparring beyond mm-hmm. this level. So I think it's going to be really interesting, but I think you're right. I think that you've got to side with Cullen because of the amount of experience that he's got the bigger fights that he's it, been in and potentially the bigger power that he's got with those long arms. But Kelly's saying all the right things, man. He's saying all the right things, and maybe he is a little bit less battle-worn.
0: Mm. Um, as I mentioned there, Mark Jeffers, Jermaine Brown, English super middleweight title. I think it'll be a longer neither of them are bangers, really. Um, So I think that's going the distance. I would favour Mark Jeffers to come through. He's a tidy boxer. Both of them are tidy boxers, but I think Mark Jeffers is a little bit slicker and he'll uh, he should come through that and get himself a points victory. Anything else on the card that has tickled your fancy before I get stuck into a bit of news from the world of boxing?
1: Um, I like Chris Artingstall, Lauren's partner. Um, You know, I know she hasn't really, again, like Lauren, she's still getting used to this pro game, that, that opponent that she's got, Lilia. Santos, Furtado, we've seen her here last year, I think it was, taking on Raven um, and even though she got beat over 10 rounds I like Raven Chapman as well, that's a good fight in the future for Artingstall, so you know, the kids only lost once but it was a uh, one fight away from home um, so I fancy Artingstall to come through I'd love to see her go through the gears I'd love to see her show a little bit more power and let her hands go, so I'm looking forward to that and also man, full credit I don't think he got enough credit at the time but you know, it's it's looking even better as history goes on. That Jack Massey's performance against Joe Parker in Manchester was great, man. I I, I was there that night. I'm sure it was the beefy U Bank one card. Um, and okay, he lost against Joe Parker up at heavyweight, but for the Manchester Cruiserweight to step up, go the distance with Parker, ask questions with Parker, like add it with him a little bit. And I was like, Yeah, man, that's how you kick on unfortunately for Jack he's not been out since that was a, a year ago or whatever it was I'd like to see him catch fire a little bit you know I don't know much about his, his opponent Steve Nater but Jack Massey you know just for stepping up giving it a fucking good old go again he probably give Joe Parker he asked more questions of Joe Parker than Deontay Wilder did that's a fact so you know is that a, or, is that a
0: Nick Pete fact or is that an actual Nick- fact
1: that's a Nick P fact.
0: He asked more <laughs> questions
1: of Joe Parker than fucking Deontay Wilder. So, but he's back down a cruiserweight. He's got himself an opponent, and hopefully, if he can get himself a big finish, that could be a good stuff for him and I encourage boxer to get behind him and give him a bit of a push.
0: Yeah, uh, and there's a kid a from
1: Liverpool on here as well. No opponents. Mikey Talon, managed by Tash, trained by Joe Gallagher. I think he was the Tash's first signing as a manager. And again, Tash getting ready for the next stage of her career. Um, but he should probably bring in some numbers as well, being a local kid.
0: Don't need it. It's a big old room. Um, yeah, that's how your, your boxing shaping up in Liverpool at the weekend. For those that, that are not going to be in attendance, Sky Sports is your destination for that. Uh, or talk sports. All right. I I'll just about to hit you with that. You're, you're allowed to
1: plug yourself. You know, it is your show.
0: Yeah. Stickers on. Stickers on the stream. I'll have a bit of a crack with you whilst I'm uh, whilst I'm watching this. Um, what did you make of uh, the KO Chaos press conference this week?
1: Well, one hey? well, before we before we get into it, and you know, Uncle Turkey was at his shaft. Well and truly stroked. But there you go. That's another. <laughs> before we get into that, what I do want to say is Knockout Chaos again. I don't know who's coming up with these names. That absolutely mental. These names, Knockout Chaos. Ring of Fire, sensational, brilliant! It reminds me of, the old of Yeah, it reminds me of the old Richard Maynard days when he worked, uh, when he used to work for for Frank. He was their PR guy, and like he'd come to Liverpool and it'd be all like the Fab Four, you know. And then you go, you know, it, it was just mega. He always come up with mad stuff. But to be fair, the poster for Knockout Chaos with that like bit mapped like N64 controller style video. It looks game. like Street Fighter. It looks a bit hey, like Street Fighter, doesn't it? it it looks fucking sensational. The promo or the the still have scene from the uh, from the Usyk Fury fight, the Ring of Fire, where they're both dressed as cowboys. I'm like, mate, bring it on, because we know what's coming. They're gonna because we've seen the zombie Day of Reckoning promo, so I can only imagine we've got uh, Fury and Usyk dressed as cowboys west. walking down some like coming out of the saloon, high noon showdown, guns out and Uncle Turkey's going to kill me now if this is exactly what they've made. I'm just spitballing amazing ideas here. Give me a bell, Uncle Turkey, if you know what more like everyone else here, aren't I? Um, but that, that, I, that promo's coming. We know that promo's coming, which makes me think, Knockout Chaos, what's that promo going to look like? Is it going to be like video games with the bars? All that stuff. Mega. All that stuff is great. All this promo that we're getting, this is what boxing has needed. Not only Promoters coming together, fighters coming together, TV networks coming together, but actual money spent on quality promotion, quality production. What's not to love?
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's look not to love? I've look, gone all in at, as well? look at you,
1: my <laughs> days.
0: My days. Here's a question for you. Is Knockout Chaos... Card wise, what you know so far, is it better than Day of Reckoning? Uh,
1: I've seen you tweet about this, so I know I know how you feel about it. Um, star power wise, no, of course it isn't. Knockout Chaos hasn't got the same number of names, and it isn't this big heavyweight kind of push. Um, I think in you know, I think in hindsight as well, we got some good performances. So I, I would say no. I would say no. There's a couple of good domestic fights on there, which, you know, unfortunately, it looks like that's the way boxing's going. Everything's going to Saudi. Does that concern you? Um, No. Because without it, without the influence of Saudi Arabia, and again, listen, there's a whole moral question, of course. Golf have been through it. Cricket's been through it footballers going through it now nobody yep. in boxing's really talking about it except you know the the real you know, strong journalists care, out there most journalists are just like oh, oh uncle Turkey, let's go
0: but that's that's just the way it is but then the way to view stop. it is can, can I just say something right stop doing that you 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 playing with some you you know what you playing with you're playing with fire you're playing with fire they, they do but what I will m- say is yeah
1: A lot of people that make their living in this industry realize that without Saudi Arabia coming into boxing, where was boxing going? Think about this show. Think about Fight Disciples. Think about, uh, um, you know, we make our living in this industry and we love fight sports as much as anybody else on the planet, boxing and MMA. But on this show for the last seven years, we've spent most of our time, Waxing lyrical about the amazing things that MMA, the growth, the this, the fact we get the fights every time. Uncle Dana's amazing. He's the guy he makes the fights happen. It's and it's easy and it's joyful. And for seven years, we've gone bloody yellowish boxing and pull its socks up, bloody hell boxing. You could be as good as this. Come on, if we all work together, we could get the fights. Well, Uncle Turkey was listening. I don't know whether he was listening to Fight Disciples. He probably was, but he was listening and with the finances behind Saudi Arabia, he's kind of gone, right, okay. This is what it's going to take to save boxing. Boom. There's the money on the table. Now where's the conversation? And now I feel like if it if his name wasn't Turkey Al-Sheikh Sheikh, pardon me if I've got that wrong, Mr. Turkey. Turkey
0: Al-Al-Sheikh.
1: Turkey Al-Al-Sheikh. And he wasn't from Saudi Arabia. Let's say, who's the... Who's the uh, fellow who's just bought
0: Man United. Oh, can't remember. Jim, uh what's it? I can't hear. I'm, I'm not in Man United. Jim Radcliffe. Radcliffe. That's, it, that's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So let's that's say
1: it. Jim Ratcliffe, who's a billionaire. I'm guessing. Jim Ratcliffe goes. Ah, I'm not buying Man United. Right. I'm slapping a billion quid on the table. Frank, Eddie, come over here. Right. What we're going to do is. We'll do Wembley. We'll do Manchester Arena. We'll do Birmingham Arena. We're gonna we're gonna make all the fights that matter. Bibbald, get over here! Yeah, heavyweights, get over here! Usyk, come on! Yeah, and he did exactly what Mr. Turkey's is doing. But it was na- but his name was Jim Radcliffe, and he was a billionaire, and he was British. Would everyone just be like, "This is incredible"? He's saving boxing. Is it the fact that the money's coming out of Saudi Arabia? Is that the problem? Is that the only problem? Is what he's doing for boxing, saving boxing. That's the million-dollar question. It's hard to yeah. argue he is. It isn't saving boxing because now I've got none to moan about the fight. Okay, listen. Was Fury and Ganu the fighter wanted? No, it wasn't. But it was a. We were led to believe. Listen, let's just get to where we want to be. We, it's going to take. Because we're not going to. It's not just going to happen overnight. But this is where we're going. And then when Turkey, when Mr. Turkey came out the other day on the balcony, when he was a little bit like Caesar looking down on his minions, and he was like, right, we'll do Frank versus Eddie, five versus five. Cool, man. Yes, yeah, sound brilliant. Mega. And then he said, what this is, AJ versus Nganu, this is to fight the winner of Fury versus Usyk. No talk of the rematch clauses involved. None of that bollocks. Just like, whoever wins this is fighting the winner of that. And look what? And then, he, and then if you remember, he flashed up a big belt that said Undisputed on it. And I was like, oh my God, please, Uncle Turkey. Please tell me the governing bodies are getting lashed in the bin and that's a real belt. And, all, and then when they panned out on the broadcast, it had the logos of the governing bodies at the side. I was like, God damn it, Uncle Turkey. We were that close, lad. We were that close to getting rid of them all.
0: I think I think boxing fans listen there's always sweet and sour to all these types of things isn't there there's there's uh, for for as great as what is happening there's always going to be the other side of stuff the how does the... my my question is this
1: man city's success there's always going to be 115 reasons why it's not big no. that kind messy. of thing
0: no stop messing no, no no that's not... that's what i mean no, that's not what I'm saying. That's not that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this. How does what is currently happening affect the long-term future of British boxing, right? So right now, we've got a great fix. We've got a short-term... It might go on for ages. I don't know how long this is going to go on for, but it, right now, we've got a good fix. And every single boxing fan is on board with getting the fights that we want to see. And that seems to be what is happening, and it seems to be that's going to be happening for the next 12, 24, 36 months, and long may that continue. But when you're making a card and you're taking, for example, Joe Coydina and Anthony Kakachi, and you're putting it in Saudi Arabia, when you're taking a card and you're taking Chamberlain and Gwynn, for example, which is on the uh, Knockout Chaos card, right? right. So you take Chamberlain and Gwynn, and you go and put it in Saudi Arabia. Now I'm not. Listen, this is not on the fighters. If you're getting weighed in and you're getting a few quid, that sounds absolutely tremendous, right? But Chamberlain and Gwyn, with all due respect, is a fight that would probably headline the York Hall, right here in in the UK. Fair, yeah. So with them not now being a fight that headlines the York Hall in the UK, what level of fight is now going to headline a, a fight in the you're calling the UK? And what is the undercard of those cards going to look like? And how does this affect the journeyman? How does this affect all these people that might not necessarily be getting as much work as they used to be getting because everything is being picked up and dumped over here? Now, me as a fan and, and everybody watching this as fans, you've got to ask yourself, right, what do I want? Am I okay with sacrificing actually going to an event and, and seeing an event with my own eyes in the arena and watching it on TV, something that I really, really want to see. Are you okay with that? Listen, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm, I've I'm come to uh, the, the conclusion of being more than happy with just seeing the best fights that I want to see. If that means that I'm not in the arena, that's cool. But what's the long-term effect of that? How does that affect boxing on British soil in five years' time, because if we're picking up fights like Chamberlain and Gwynn and sending it to Saudi Arabia, what are we actually putting on here?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that that's got to be the, the the concern. Yeah, no, I totally get it. And 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 this was initially my initial fears for this came up back in October with the with the. Uh, the Fiori and Ganu cards. Um, and the reason being that we got Fabio Wardley versus David Adelaide and it was sanctioned for the British title. There you go. Now outside of Britain and there was there was a cheeseman fought in Gibraltar one time with the with, uh, Metcalf. Other than that, in records, you know, I messaged Steve Bunce about this because he's the he's the dictionary when it comes to these things, the encyclopedia. Uh, we couldn't think of another British title fight that had happened outside of a British British Isles or a British territory, yeah. and that was always going to be like a, wow, okay, I sanctioned the British title in Saudi Arabia. That's interesting. Now maybe the other, the bigger question here is the fact that you do realize all these shows in Saudi Arabia are sanctioned by the British Boxing Board of Control. Yeah. British boxing border control officials yeah. are being flown to Saudi Arabia to check the scales. To do to, to, it's all under the governance of the British boxing border control. Mm-hmm. So, if the British boxing border control are operating and making money, do they care that the the fights are happening in Saudi Arabia and not in Britain? And the fear there, of course, is that once the Saudi Arabia boxing commission gets to the place where they want to be? Do they stop using the British Commission? Do they start sanctioning themselves once they've got officials with the reputation? Maybe even get a few officials to move to Saudi and come and come and run our commission for us. You never know. Where then does the finances trickle down? If no one with a television show of any stature is doing any shows in the UK, they're all going to Saudi Arabia. Then how does the British Boxing and border control continue to exist? So there's a, the the ramifications of what's going on. I don't think anybody can really imagine where they're gonna stop or fall just yet. It's easy right now to just get super excited and be like, yeah. this is brilliant. And we are, this and, and you're right to a be excited. To you're
0: yeah. right to be Nick excited. Balls,
1: Nick Ball's fighting Ray Vargas for a world title.
0: Incredible. Yeah, yeah you know, Chamberlain Gwyn's a great fight. That that's my point. That's my point. I'm not dogging the fight, the fight's a great fight. I'm like, yeah. whoa, that's a that's a sensational fight but it's gone to Saudi. It's not in the York Hall. It's not at a Wembley Arena, you know? So what level of fight then are we going to get in the UK? Now, of course, we know that this weekend we've got a world title fight in Tasha against Michaela Meyer. We know that we're going to get Dan Aziz against Joshua Boazzi.
1: Yeah, but with all due respect, Adam, they're both done by a promoter that isn't in, isn't playing isn't in the Saudi I, party. I,
0: this is my point. This is my point. So then you look at right. What have matchroom got scheduled in the UK? They've they've only announced I think that next gen card, um, which I think is February or March. What's Frank got scheduled in the UK? I believe that he's going to be announcing a card, and he's referring to it as the Magnificent Seven. But it's got, I mean, Joe uh, Joe Fair Joyce enough. is fighting. Yeah, Joe Joyce is fighting Kash Ali. Cash Ali. Jesus Christ. I know. You know? So again, it's too early to judge because maybe that maybe there is a knock-on effect and maybe there is a pot that it that helps those promoters make fights here in the UK. I don't know. I don't know the answers. I'm just saying right now. Be excited. You're getting the fights that you want to get. I'm willing to sacrifice. I'll sit at home and I'll watch these fights on TV because it's super entertaining and I want to see Tyson Fury against Anthony Joshua. I want to see Paterbia Bivol. And the only way they're happening is because of Saudi Arabia money. That's it. It's not because promoters have got their act together. It's because somebody's come along with a big pot of cash and made it impossible for them not to be able to do those things. I'm okay with, with watching those events and not being in the arena. But I'm conscious that in five years' time, boxing in Britain could look very, very, very different.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, but we're only talking about Riyadh season, aren't we? They're not, they haven't scheduled any Saudi fights outside of Riyadh season yet. I yeah, October not yet.
0: to
1: March. That, yeah, not uh, yet. And that the, the reason why, obviously, Riyadh season it, it, visiting Saudi Arabia, visiting the Middle East between October October and March is incredibly pleasant. It, it's like summertime in Spain or or whatever. Outside okay. of those months, March round to October, it gets blisteringly hot. Obviously, it's so hot in the, outside in the desert, so I don't know whether the tourism would be the same in those times. Maybe that's how... And again, we're just spitballing here. We're just kind yeah. of thinking out loud. Maybe boxing, even British boxing, kind of belongs to Saudi's six months of the year, and then the other six months of the year it comes back to Britain. We see big shows here. Maybe, maybe that's the case, and maybe that's the way the new the new world order in boxing is going to work. I think right now you'd be crazy to, if you're a Fife fan to hate on it because we're getting what we want. Are you going to be there? Maybe not. That's disappointing. But if you're a British boxing fan especially, it's how often of did on. you get to go to Vegas? How often yeah. did you get to go out to New York is, or Vegas? Yeah, of, on we're, time's we're incredibly on. lucky that we work for ourselves and we work for TV and radio shows that we, we – it's never lost on us when we get to do away chips and be at these fights that most people have to save all year for just to go to one, and we get to go to multiple, and that's not lost on us because we used to be fans that used to save up our money and go once a year to these events. The difference here is we've spent – I've spent my entire adult – life. well, I ent- best part of three and a half decades loving fight sports regularly, regularly – Staying up till four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. That ain't happening it's no different. more. Not this.
0: That ain't different. happening
1: no more. Now I'm getting it. Prime time. You know, and if if anyone should be upset, it should be the American fight fans who are like, wait a minute, all the big fights are on these tough and, tough <laughs> and, you know, they're on at lunchtime on a Saturday. Jesus Christ. Lunch time. Yeah. So yeah, man. I, Right now Listen, I'm loving life. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Honestly. Yeah. If Uncle Turkey wants to come on the show, get on the show, Uncle Turkey. Hey, all good, son. But you're right. What is the what's the future plan? And we I've seen a couple of shows recently. I'm sure it was a Frank show um back end of last year where the, the ring apron was sponsored by Riyadh yeah, Season. All the yeah, logos yeah, yeah, are there. There's got hopefully there is a trickle down effect. Hopefully the fact yeah. that the fights are happening here. Everyone's making an incredible amounts of bundles of cash. The trickle-down means that the support in the business down here, that grows as well. Of course, man, listen, teaching granny how to suck eggs here, but I, I, listen, I don't think Saudi Arabia's em- emergence into boxing is necessarily right now detrimental to British boxing, but there's definitely some cause for concerns. Certainly if you worked work at the British Boxing Board of Control, I'd be like, hmm, wait a minute, wait a minute.
0: Uh, one thing is for absolute sure, though, right? If you are following Fury Usyk, Opataya Bredis, Cordina Kakachi, and I like that fight. I think Kakachi's really, really good. If you're following that with AJ Nganu, Parkers yang and Vargas Ball and Chamberlain Gwyn, you're fucking going in the right direction and yeah. you're doing that you're doing that what within four weeks of each other you can't monitor can you, you can't monitor that. that mega brilliant yeah um by the way i had to uh on one of those cards i had to check uh because the uh, all i saw on the matchmaking was isaac law fighting has buller <laughs> right? and i went hey what so i had to go into the actual uh bout sheet to check that it wasn't the Hasbro, <laughs> that he's making his professional boxing debut. I can confirm it is not okay. Anyway, mm-hmm. he's going to be on that. It's also also just a quick one on the Fury Usyk uh, undercard. Vakadir uh, Jalalov is on the card, as is uh, Moses. Not a fan of that. Say that again.
1: I said I'm not a fan of that. What? Jalalov continue to box perfect prefer- because he's going the Olympics. He's qualified. He's in the Olympic Games in Paris.
0: Oh right, I didn't. I didn't
1: know that. That's uh, uh, what
0: he was. Good. He's going back to the Olympics, is he?
1: Yeah. So Jalilov won the Olympic Games four years ago. We've 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 had him on this show. We've we've we, we've commentated his professional yeah. fights. What is he now? Th- 14 and oh, or something like that. He's had he's had. I think fourteen professional fights. Obviously, won them all. Won them all by fucking knockout. Guy's incredible, and yeah, he's going back into the Olympics finals this year he goes out to paris he's going to paris i didn't know he was to... doing that yeah he's gonna be a massive favorite to win gold medal no, again what, I'm like, what, what, well, what i was time gonna time, say
0: go on, well, what i was gonna say is that he doesn't have an opponent for this card at fury you and neither does moses Atuma. stick them in together fuck it let's go yeah. man
1: Yep. Yeah. exactly
0: exactly um did you see the back and forth on social media between uh, lennox lewis and eddie heard yes I did, yeah. <laughs> I want. I want to finish. The, I want to finish the show on this because I think this is a really. It's a really, really interesting conversation. Lennox Lewis, obviously, uh, and Eddie Hearn going back and forth. You could just flick on the social media to see exactly uh, what was said. And he was making some valid points, Lennox Lewis. <clears throat> and I actually think that the majority of fight fans will be on Lennox Lewis's side with the points that he was making. However, Lennox is coming at this from believing that boxing is a sport. Boxing isn't a sport. Boxing is a business. His Mm -hmm. point of Anthony Joshua being worthy of a shot at undisputed off the back of a victory against Otto Wallen and Francis Ngannou. Is he worthy of a shot at undisputed? Most people, when you are just framing it that way, would conclude that the answer is no, especially when you've made a great fight in Gilly Zhang against Joseph Parker Jilly Zhang, if he comes through that, will have had two consecutive wins against Joe Joyce, highly ranked in most governing bodies, and Joseph Parker. And on the flip of that, if Joseph Parker comes through, he will have beaten Deontay Wilder and Julie Zhang back-to-back, which is absolutely more worthy than a victory over Wilder and-, and Ngannou back-to-back as a shot in a world title. However... Boxing isn't a sport, as we keep pointing out. It's not like other sports where you have a semi final and a semi final, and the winners of those semi finals meet in the final for the championship fight. That's why we end up with fights like Derek Chisora against Tyson Fury mm-hmm. for a, a world title fight, don't we? You get, well, right now in 2024, you get what Turkey El Sheikh says that you're going to get. And mm-hmm. from a fight fan's point of view, it seems to be the things that you want to see, not necessarily the things that are deserved by these fighters. You get kind of, what the demand is. And I would, is that, struggle to, I would struggle to find a fan that would absolutely demand Tyson Fury, Jilly Zhang over Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua. Let's be dead yeah. honest about that. Lennox makes a, an awful amount of great points and he's right. If you're just looking at it from a sporting point of view, he's absolutely right. But it's not a sport, it's a business.
1: Yeah, and you also have to come away from the fact that you know once you go down Lennox's route is that you're giving power to the governing bodies and their ranking system, and their ranking system works. This we know how they all work. It's the brown envelope brigade, it's about relationships, it's about contacts, it's not about who's the best of the best. Hence the reason why the the each rival governing body don't rank the other guys world champion in their rankings, it's a fucking joke. So we were going down a path which was going to be, let's rip the IBF belt away from Fiori Usyk and we'll give it over here so AJ can can go and win the belt back and become a three-time world champion. And and we, that's the way boxing would have worked. But Mr. Turkey's gone, nah, man, just to, just to let you all know, he did it the other day, just to let you all know, the winner of this – Fights the winner of that. And look, here's a logo for it. Look at that belt. It says undisputed. All your little logos are on the side. Undisputed. That was just to let the IBF know. You ain't stripping nobody. I'm in charge of this sport. And I'm going to dictate what's happening. And maybe Maybe boxing needs that. We've spoken about this many times over the years. Does boxing need a Dana White? Mr. Turkey's positioned himself as the Dana White. This is what's happening. Uh, we're not sure. Shut up. Here's some money. This is what's happening. He's dictating the play. He's dictating what's happening in this sport. He's kind of like the Dana White figure. It has to play out. This could be exactly what boxing needs. Right now, it feels like, yeah, man, this is what we needed. The big fights are happening. It's fantastic. Long term, is it good to have one guy dictating the rule? We don't know. But we're about to find out because I don't think this has ever happened in the history of boxing, whereas one guy – With no immediate ties to any individual fighter, no individual promoter, no individual TV network. It's just like, right, I own this now. This is my plaything. I tell you all what to do because I've got this. And this is what you're all here for, is to make money. And I've got more of it than every other one of you combined. So, right, you do this, you do that, boom. Bring it to me. Yep, okay, yep, sound. What does he want? What does he want? Done. Let's go. It's incredible. It's an incredible time for boxing. This is when Frank, again, when Frank called game changer, when we first went to Saudi, it wasn't the fight. It was the fact that what is happening with Uncle Turkey is changing the face of boxing. And we're right to raise questions. and right to go, oh, is this the right thing? Is this the wrong thing? Blah, blah, blah. We're in motion now. There ain't, there's no stopping it. And for the good of boxing, I don't think we should try and stop it. Because this is exactly what boxing has needed.
0: And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's today's show. Um, <clears throat> Good times. Good. Times. Do you know something? What's this now? Two months without mourning? Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. Mad, it? I love it, new
1: though. New year, new, new us. It.
0: Exactly. I
1: love being as positive about boxing as I am about UFC and MMA. In fact, more positive because, you know, this week's UFC pay-per-view card (coughs) isn't the greatest pay-per-view card, and that will be said. But
0: Yeah. Do you know know what I've stopped doing? For example, that press conference the other day for Knockout Chaos. Do you know when you've heard in the past someone stand up at a press conference and they say, oh, well, the winner of this is going to go on and they're going to do this, or the winner of this is going to go on and do this, and we're going to make this fight, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. Because you get so ingrained in the politics and the nonsense of boxing, you sit there right. and you just go, yeah, right, whatever, mate. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's never happening. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's just hot air. Yeah. But this fella has come along. And okay, we started with Tyson Fury versus Francis and or oh, what the hell is this? But if you remember, right? What was it? October time, November time, when we all took a step back. On this show, we took a step back and started analysing what Riyadh season was and what the plan was. And we're still gonna get the what you would class as the I don't want to say a circus anymore, but you know what I mean? The event fights, the the Engarnu led fights. I even said that John Jones might make an appearance or uh or an or a you know somebody else from whatever stratosphere steps into the world of boxing. You're still gonna get them, but when this fella speaks, and now we started to put proof in the pudding of things happening in a very short period of time, six months, when when this started, what was it, October when we got uh, Garnu September when we got mm-hmm. Garnu and Fury, and now by February we're getting the undisputed Fight, we're getting this in uh, in March. So six-month period. When this guy talks, you kind of go, actually, I can't doubt that. Yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't doubt it because he said X, Y, and Z. X, Y, and Z is already happening. It's in the, the the motion's happening. It's going in the right direction. Yeah. So what's it going to look like in another six months? We, we listen. All of us are now believing we're getting Bertier Bivel. Yesterday he's talking, or earlier on this week he's talking about. Yeah, I want to make Kenny against Tank. you uh, 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 what? what? Eh? Can we? Please yeah you know (laughs) (laughs) all 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 these things that he's saying you're thinking well we're used to so much bullshit and hot air from everybody else this guy's come in like you've just said and go hey i'm I'm, I'm the geezer now i'm the fella and all you lot all you lot are dancing to my tune i want this this and this go on yeah but it's going to cost you i don't care how much it's going to cost me go on crack on good lads Get it done. <laughs> 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 it's mega. Yeah. Oh, mate. Anyway, on that note, there you go. Kitty Winks, if you're in Liverpool this weekend, say hello to the boys. No, I won't be having a drink. Still January. February, uh, February 1st can't go quick enough. That's all I'll say. Um, Thank you very much for tuning in. You can subscribe to us via our website, fightdisciples.com. Go get yourself stuck in. All the audio feeds under the sun are there and we are also available for you on YouTube. Go and have yourself a little bit of fun with that too because you can watch this show uh, as we produce it every single week for you. There's an MMA program as well. Big UFC card this weekend which involves British fight, two British fighters, actually, Arnold Allen and Sam Patterson on that card. So we're going to be uh, talking about them and their exploits in Toronto on that show. So make sure you go and get stuck into it. Thank you very, very much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe
1: via iTunes.